This is the John Favreau is My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Good morning. Good morning, Twinkie. How are you? <laughs> Twinkie? <laughs> <laughs> what's, that, what's that episode of uh, Peppa Pig where they're like, um, Peppa goes like, uh, um, hello, Susie. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Hello, Susie. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, Peppa. <laughs> Hi, Peppa. <laughs> um. Okay. Is tw- is Twinkie my new nickname? Yeah, now? Twinkie's your your new because you're. What are you? Because you're gold and yellow and creamy on the inside <laughs> yeah what should you be you can be a uh i can be a ho-ho you how about a ding dong i do like i do <laughs> ding dong are- the witch is dead witch old witch the wicked witch ding dong the wicked witch is dead the wicked witch <laughs> ding dongs are infinitely superior to ho-hos one thousand percent fight me come come for me i won't come for you um i don't know why i have this like uh like vivid vivid image like vivid scene from a film in my head yeah um they're on the air honestly air force one okay. there is a a uh you're not supposed to call them anymore um the flight attendants they're flight i was gonna yeah. say stewardesses right. um their flight attendants or there's a flight attendant who is like getting a a ding dong from a from a from a an aluminum paper uh-huh and and it falls on the floor and she like dusts it off and like eats it what isn't this crazy <laughs> a, a, a flight attendant on air force one yeah. eats a ding dong off the floor yeah. will someone please tell us <laughs> because, <laughs> because like the president loves ding dongs what the fuck i swear this is a movie <laughs> is this like playing off of the fact that ronald reagan loved jelly bellies maybe I don't know. All I know is like they, it was like fully stocked, like fully stocked with with uh, ding dongs or uh, ho hos, ding dongs, ding dongs. <laughs> ding dongs are the ones that are just like they look like a hockey puck. Yeah, they they just look and like it's a just covered puck. in foil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, covered in foil. Yes. And, uh, blah. Blah. <laughs> and so, and it was just a cupboard full of them. Wow. Full of them. I don't think ding dongs come one. in foil anymore. Well, they did in this movie. I know they also did when we were kids. I, I, I have to look this up. Do ding tongs still come in foil? Do, do, do ding. Oh, do that diddly ding dang. Do <laughs> ding dongs Erin, are you trying to figure out what movie it is? Foil. This is just a dream Monica had. <laughs> no. About herself as president with a fully stocked. Oh, what is it? <gasps> Transformers! Oh, oh my god! I've never what? Seen <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? I didn't. Oh my god! Transformers ding dong scene. <gasps> yes. See, this is it. <laughs> this is it. Yes. Why? Why did this come to me at this moment? I have no idea. It's the scene where um, does he love ding dongs? Because oh yes, because the guy's like, can you wrangle me up some ding dongs, darling? <laughs> fuck <laughs> me as the president yeah so like her highest duty on like air force one is to bring the president some fucking ding dongs like that's that's dream, what's dream happening. job honestly honestly i mean <laughs> honestly not really but but honestly <laughs> but we can pretend we can pretend um but yeah so thank you for that very important uh 
Yes, thank you for finding out, Aaron. Thank you for finding that out. It was Transformers <laughs> 2007. Uh, what a directed by year. Michael Bay. <laughs> uh, this, like solely responsible for ruining Megan Fox. I, yeah, I, the thing is, the thing is, I don't disagree with you, but was she that amazing of an actor to begin with? It wasn't about acting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was about her body, Jess. Oh, it was that's about true. Her body. This, you're, you're incredibly correct. Yes. yes, 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 yes. It was about her body. It wasn't about acting. Okay. It was about her teeny tiny crop shirts and her teeny tiny little skirts despite working on a car where she should yeah. have been wearing overalls. Yes. Can I read it out loud? Go ahead. Dramatically. Mm-hmm. Oblivious to the robot. Tracy brushed dirt off the cake and took a bite out of it, described it as gross, and left the compartment to return the half-eaten, dirty product to the president. <laughs> Little did she realize what chaos the robot would cause. <laughs> Where is this from? A forum. A forum. Trans- it's Transformers Wiki. Yeah, a Transformers Wiki. Jesus Christ. Which is funny because the guy in it is named Witwiki. I love that it says... Tracy, given name unknown, is a flight attendant crossed out presidential aide. For oh. Air Force One. <laughs> I'm telling you, her her duty of the highest regard is to give the president his ding dong. That's like this just is, what she does. This is iconic. I've never wanted to see Transformers before, but now I just want to watch this. Guys, Transformers came out in 2007. When we were, I was 12. Yeah, well. I just remember watching it in the theaters and then <laughs> and then coming home to my brother's already having a bootleg of it. Wow. Those kids work fast. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. And it was definitely like one of those bootlegs where the person had the camera like recording in the back of the theater. Oh, it wasn't even that they stole like a copy of the of the film or yeah. whatever. It was like legitimately like we're going to film. We're going to film. I've the- seen so many bootlegs of Broadway shows that are like that. Oh, 100% where people just like sneak it in. Here's the thing. How do they not see like the little red light? I have no idea. Do they cover it? I have no idea. My they assumption must be, is yes. I'm guessing that they're there on a night where not when not a lot of people are or something, and they're able to just kind of have it. Or maybe is it like a go GoPro? <laughs> but we, I don't. Did GoPros exist in the year 2000? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. To be honest, I don't think so. All I know is that I always took it as, as like a personal attack from the federal government. Those like um, those like title the cards. The FBI warnings. Yeah, the, the <laughs> FBI warnings at the beginning of the movie where it's like, if you fucking commit this fucking crime, we will hunt you down. We will kill your entire family. <laughs> You will have not a set to your name. It's like when it's like when you get screeners and you watch it and the like the thing the watermark comes up and it's just like do not distribute and you're like fuck off how are you gonna know? <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how I watched Judas and the Black Messiah. If you guys remember that story, <laughs> kill me, murder me. Uh, you'll have to listen to the Daniel Daniel Kaluuya episode. Yeah, to hear all about that. And yeah. then there's an update several episodes later. <laughs> yes. Because yes, ladies and gentlemen, the saga continued. <laughs> you you wouldn't have thought so. That but film haunts me and not for the reasons you think. The film <laughs> haunts me and not for the reasons you think. Is there an ad break at some point? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be after the intro. That makes sense. <laughs> You mean not immediately after we start the episode? No, 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 no. It'll come right now. (laughs) Okay, Monica. So the important shit. Who are we talking about today? Well, my lady, we're going to be talking about someone who is incredibly spooky. Um, spooky. The theme for a lot of these folks uh, this month of October is like 
their spook factor. Vaguely spooky. Vague. With the Vague. exception of like one. <laughs> no. I would argue that they're all pretty spooky. Okay. Or at some point have been spooky. Yeah. We're also capitalizing on the fact that this person had a movie come out recently. Yeah. We're being, um, we're being naughty we're being like that. We're being topical. We're being cheeky. We are not talking about that movie. No, 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 no. no we're no. not. Because you know what, Jessica? I'm not paying $20 to rent that fucking I, movie. No, I also have no interest in seeing it. Oh, really? Yeah. I have a vague interest because it's like one of my biggest fears. <laughs> Getting old? No, no, no. Getting old on a beach with other people. Oh, right. <laughs> with the chick from uh, from Jojo Rabbit there with you specifically. Exactly. With Jar Jar. Right. Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, in case you couldn't tell by context clues, ladies and gents, the uh, person that we're talking about today is M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I had only seen one M. Night movie before we did this. Was it Avatar? The Last Airbender? Do I look like someone who has seen the Avatar film? Oh, I watched that in the movie theater when it came out. <laughs> that seems on brand for you. Didn't they have all those McDonald's like action figures that I came with so. the Happy Meal with like the Aang character? I, and like, I the- genuinely have no idea. I've never seen a, a moment of anything related to Avatar. Honestly, that's a shame on your I've life. heard that the show is really the good. The show is phenomenal. I, I just, think they're bringing it back somehow. No idea. I wouldn't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I had seen The Village, which I did oh, really, really like. I loved The Village. I've seen The Village. I I've, Obviously, I've seen Avatar The Last Airbender. Correct. Which was an actual train wreck. Listen. I don't know how his career survived after that. It, 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 okay, so M. Night Shyamalan is an interesting daddy for us to do because when he's good, he's really good. But he often is not good. I know, and th- there's just going to be a lot of um, a lot of interesting uh, dialogue here today because yeah. um, some of his movies are less than great, <laughs> and some of his movies are great. Yeah, right. But I think that M Night is a very controversial um, filmmaker because people think. Or like the, the the discourse is like that people think that he is given a lot more like credit mm-hmm. and a lot more um like accolades than he necessarily deserves yeah. because the movies are not that great. Yeah. But I also think that he's out there doing his thing and trying to be Steven Spielberg and I'm I'm here for that. I really am. Yeah, I respect someone with this much, I guess, vision. Yeah, and and you know, and you know, for someone to put himself in you know, I'm just gonna read the fucking intro. Yeah, just guys. tell me about just tell me about him. I'm just Everyone close your eyes and listen to this intro related wash over you. Manoj Neliatu, M. Night Shyamalan, and I apologize if I butchered that, but I think that was close, is an Indian American filmmaker and actor. He is known for making original films with contemporary supernatural plots and twist endings, <laughs> which we were talking about earlier, and also for making insane cameos in his films, despite being a bad actor. <laughs> uh, he was born in Mahi, or Mahe, India, and raised in Penn Valley, Pennsylvania, where I am certain he worships Gritty and the Philly Fanatic. <laughs> it's the only way. Who doesn't worship Gritty, If honestly? you're that close to Philadelphia... <laughs> You have to. (laughs) Shyamalan had an early desire to be a filmmaker when he was given a Super 8 camera at a young age. Weren't we all? Weren't we all? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Though his father wanted him to follow in the family practice of medicine, his mother encouraged him to follow his passion. Thank you, Mama Shyamalan. Thank you. Mamalan. Mamalan! (laughs) 
by the time he was 17, he had made 45 home movies. Jesus Christ. Holy fuck. I mean, ambition. Ambition there. Girl boss there. It was all there. Shyamalan married Dr. Bhavna Faswani, a fellow student whom he met at New York University, alma mater of like-minded artist Lady Gaga. Honestly, uh, almost no difference between the two. No difference. They're the same. <laughs> They're exactly If Emma Shyamalan same. had tried to be a singer, he would have been Lady Gaga. would have been Lady Gaga. And vice versa. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying <laughs> I, to say. I agree. I agree. <laughs> the, the, ju- the judge, the jury agrees. <laughs> he is the real life daddy to three daughters, including director Ishana and musician Salek, whose music career M. Night is adorably very interested in promoting on Twitter. That's so sweet. Just yesterday, he was like, listen to my girl's album. Adorable. Aww, how Absolutely old are adorable. his daughters? Um, They're like adults. How old is he? I don't know, like an adult. I gotta... I feel like I, I thought he was like 50. I thought, I mean, it, because he was very young when he made the sixth sense. Well, he was also like married. He's only 51. Yeah, but he has like a bunch of kids. I know. I just want to know like, how fucking old was he when he had kids? I mean, I guess he's, if he's 51 and he had kids at like 20. He know? definitely had kids at like 20. He yeah, definitely he, had kids like right when he graduated from, from college for sure. Wild. Like that, that I genuinely wild. believe that that happened. Well, yeah. mm, let me see. Yeah, so- um, <laughs> come okay. here, my daughter, Salika Knight, performs songs from her debut album. You will s- want to keep the ticket stub from this. That's so sweet. It's adorable. What a proud dad. I know. Uh, now I like him more. <gasps> Don't we all? And he just like, <laughs> he just like loves, he loves kids. He does. That's like his, that's his number one thing. He does. He often has children in his movies. All the time. Yeah. Pretty much all the time. All the time. Um, I'm sure in old also, even though we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a kid in old. I'm sure there's a kid in old. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I'm going to tell you about the first film, Monica. Tell us about the first film. The first film, film not Shyamalan. The one that you, most of you had seen. Pretty I much, hadn't seen it. I, I had seen it when I was very young. Yeah, like, I hadn't seen it. I knew the twist already, but that's okay. Like I watched, I'm pretty sure I watched The Sixth Sense at the same time that I watched like seven. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those movies that it's like Fight Club. Like you literally can't avoid learning the the plot twist. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Okay, so this movie is The Sixth Sense, came out in 1999, written, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Young Cole Sear, played by Haley Joel Osment, is haunted by a dark secret. He is visited by ghosts. Cole is frightened by visitations from those with unresolved problems who appear from the shadows. He is too afraid to tell anyone about his anguish except child psychologist Dr. Malcolm Crow, played by Bruce Willis. My boy. As Dr. Crow tries to uncover the truth about Cole's supernatural abilities, the consequences for client and therapist are a jolt that awakens them both to something unexplainable. All right. Right off the bat, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is going on? What are all of these like plot hole situations going on? It's like because Jessica and I both went into it already knowing the plot twist. Yeah, it's very obvious to me, it's at least. So obvious. That there's like, that this is what's happening. Also, apparently, like I was reading about this, like it's supposed to be like a surprise when he says that he can see ghosts. And I was like, hadn't we just, hadn't we known that already? It's it's crazy that it's like, 
a surprise and like you know when he when the child is like telling bruce willis Mm -hmm. his issues they're like sitting sitting down together and the the kid is like in tears like yeah i can see dead people like it's very it's very dramatic yeah but the thing is like all the marketing for the movie (laughs) (laughs) the trailer everything everything is like this kid can see ghosts (laughs) (laughs) come see it what i will say is it is a rather like simple concept and it's shot really, really beautifully. So I think for, cause was this his first movie? I think this was his number one. Yeah. I feel like it was either very early or it's his first movie. It doesn't matter. Either way, an incredible triumph for something this early in your career. And it got nominated for like six Oscars, which I don't entirely agree with, but I do think is obviously an achievement because it's, I mean, he's being highly regarded, which does mean something, you know? Oh, 100%. Also, like, the the way that he sort of, like, uses the camera in unexpected ways, yes. like, he doesn't show you the, he doesn't show you the thing that is scary. He doesn't show you the conflict. He instead shows you what the child sees. Yeah. And that, to me, is so much scarier. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> than, than actually seeing what is going on. Like, the ghosts themselves, to me, not that scary a little no. bit a little campy honestly yeah the special effects were not there they were not there for for <laughs> m night's vision yeah they were much like you know another creature in an upcoming film that yes, we're gonna be that talking, we're talking about, about. <laughs> they were just not up to his standards yeah um and so i think he very expertly uses the the camera in in really cool ways to make it seem a lot scarier than things actually are. Yeah. Because once you actually see the thing that you're supposed to be very afraid of, mm-hmm. it is not that scary. No. And that's, I think that's kind of his thing is it's often not like, it's not the monster. It's not the event, et cetera. That is the scary thing. It's like people's reactions slash how it makes you feel, which is a very, human thing to inject into these stories like absolutely he, he does do a very good job of like giving the the air in the movie just like tension so and, much tension. and fear he he does do a very good job of of doing that and really like sets you up for feeling afraid or for the climax even if you already know what the climax is which gives a pleasurable viewing experience so i don't really mind that the twist was you know spoiled i don't mind it at all also like he really knows how to set your teeth on edge yeah um like a lot of the things that he does uh within his films are always like off kilter mm-hmm. everyone is a little extra tense everyone's a little extra weird everything feels a little bit like ghastly and ambient mm-hmm. and a little bit electric yeah. and he just he understands how to set up a scene so that you go into it already feeling naked yes <laughs> already feeling like like you're in the forest completely naked <laughs> and then there's a ghost and then there's a ghost so um so i genuinely very much appreciate that i also appreciate that he uh cast my boy bruce willis in this movie yeah the uh, he he knows how to get a lot of really good work out of his actors oh 100 um even if the script isn't always there or like the effects aren't always there like the actors are really fucking killing it and Haley joel Haley joel osmond is oh my god as this, as this this kid is oh uh, because the thing is is like it's one like yeah it's fucking scary that he sees ghosts but like the scarier thing is that this child has to experience this and has to carry the burden of these spirits with unfinished business and he really 
embodied like the weird sadness slash grief slash yes. fear that I imagine this child would have. Because can you imagine be, having that quote unquote like gift? Fuck that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, I, all I can think about is the song from The Haunted Mansion about the ghost socializing. <laughs> I feel like those are the kinds of ghosts that I would see. The ones that are like in the graves being like. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Jazzy ghosts. Yeah, like jazzy ghosts. Barbershop quartet ghosts. Haley Joel Osment just sees like very, very traumatic ghosts. I wish that I knew the words to the song. All I know is. I know that one part. It's, it's grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. <laughs> close. That was close. <laughs> um, yeah. And this is by far my favorite script that he has because i think that this is the strongest in its dialogue yes and i'll go more into this like further further into the episode but like he really falls flat with his dialogue a lot of the time yeah he focuses a lot on visual and like getting the story across yes but he gets the story across visually slash just with the relationships with the characters etc dialogue is not his forte dialogue is not the thing that he was put on this earth to do no and that is okay because you respect him for other things yeah because the sixth sense is a gorgeous film like it is visually stunning it is like it just makes you feel naked and alone in the woods naked and afraid naked and afraid Or is it afraid and naked? It's naked and afraid. It's naked and afraid. One of my favorite shows on the Discovery Channel. Oh my God. Do you remember, <laughs> did you ever go to, um? because there's also like Fear Factor. Yeah. Did you ever go to like the Fear Factor like live show at Universal Studios where they like- Yes, I did. Bring out the giant tarantula. Yeah, they put like a roach on your back. They put a roach on yeah. your back. What else do they, they like put you in a box. They, they like, can't stri- do that much of the show because of, you know, liability. No, no, but. no. So like they, they like strip you naked, put you in a box. <laughs> like <laughs> everyone's looking at you. They like don't. <laughs> a bunch of beetles in the box all the beetles like just <laughs> crawl all over you you're screaming the you're audience just, is cheering it's screaming. like a gladiator the beetles are like going in your mouth they're going in your nose like and everyone's like yeah 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 it and starts then, becoming the mummy where the beetles just under your skin oh 100 and yeah. then you become the mummy and then like all of a sudden you like open your eyes and you're in this like black box this like black void and you're like am i dead <laughs> no you're just at the fear factor experience at universal studios hollywood <laughs> which is pretty much the same thing <laughs> oh. oh my god <laughs> too much too much <laughs> wait so where were you going with that nothing we were just talking about how fucking creepy it was so do you think that an m night Shyamalan movie is like being at the fear factor experience that's exactly what i'm saying jessica okay exactly what i'm saying fair um (laughs) there is so much about the sixth sense that makes me feel like this is the perfect movie for like men like men will love Mm -hmm. this movie (laughs) and it was not made for women like M. Night really said, mm, no. Why is it because the mom has to carry the burden the whole time? Exactly. She's just like, what the fuck is going on? Exactly. Which, by the way, Tony Collette in this fucking. She's bringing movie it home. 
in this, you know, when we're first introduced to her, she's like, she's doing the the, the classic trope of like the single mom, like running around, like yeah. putting her has sh- three jobs, has three jobs. Like she's doing the laundry. She's doing it all girl boss. Like she's like putting everything on, like as she's walking through the house because she can't be bothered to like stand in one place and like put on her clothes. Right. Cause she's too busy. And, uh, you know, she, it, there's this amazing shot of her like stopping to look at the photos of her kid mm-hmm. on the wall and she has these like gorgeous long red nails because she's like serving luke's yeah with all that gold jewelry with all that like she's Ugh. like uh, if she were transported now she would be like prime gen z like gen z would That's accept how my mom and worship my her. mom looked a lot like her in the 90s yeah okay so like gen z would love and accept her yes with open arms <laughs> um and so and but like she's like looking at all these um photos and um all this to say, the thing that I love that M. Night does is it's like all, in, you know, it's all in the details. Yes. Right. The proof is in the pudding. So he's like, she's like scanning over all these photos and she notices like this, it looks like a lens flare. Yeah. But it's not quite a lens flare because it, it's pretty much exactly the same throughout all of the photos of her child. Yeah. And it sort of like makes her feel what we feel, which is like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's creepy yeah. maybe it's sun damage <laughs> maybe it was just really bright every time every time even inside <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it sets you up for like what her character is which is like very detail oriented right very much like mama bear vibes all the way mm-hmm. and again like the burden is all on her yeah which fucking sucks also like the other woman in this movie the wife <laughs> literally just there <laughs> Well, I mean, they have no choice. They have no choice because he's have a dead. Twist to work with. Okay, that is my big critique of this movie, though. Uh, like we were discussing it before. If they, re- the thing is, is like, it's very clear that something is going on. And the the scene that I think of the most for some reason is the scene where Haley Joel Osment comes home and Bruce Willis and Tony Collette are just sitting across from each other in the yes. room, and then Tony Collette gets up and leaves. And I'm like. Okay, so like Haley Joel Osment might not realize that Bruce Willis is a ghost, but Bruce Willis must have gotten there and been like, why isn't this woman speaking to me? (laughs) Why is she saying nothing? (laughs) Am I really that alone? (laughs) So like it's it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that like some shit is going down and it's made even more clear by the fact that you've already been shown at the beginning of the movie that bruce willis got shot by fucking donnie Wahlberg. (laughs) (laughs) you promised (laughs) donnie Wahlberg comes in shoots him in the stomach and then it's like six months later and then no one can speak to bruce willis like his wife isn't associating with him and she's just crying all the time and watching wedding videos and you're supposed to think that it's just because their marriage is rocky but i was like this is a little too extreme clearly he has died clearly clearly (laughs) clearly bruce willis has passed on (laughs) he is a ghost (laughs) he is an espiritu and then he finds out and then the movie ends and you're just like okay oh sick i see (laughs) i understand i think like in terms of shock value like shock factor right oh it's up there oh for sure if you were a kid in the 90s watching this movie you're like holy fuck yeah this guy is the next stanley fucking (laughs) Kubrick. like oh my god (laughs) oh 
Well, when the, also like the ghosts start appearing kind of like out of nowhere. The first ones you see are those like scary pilgrims. Yes. Just like being hung in, <laughs> in his school. Which, oh my God, M. Night, you got me. <laughs> he just looks to the side and there's three people hanging and you're like, excuse me? Dude, <laughs> it's fucked up. M. Night has a very incredible knack for horror. Yeah. For like shock value for shock factor. Yes. Uh, I'm so there. Like, I feel like he and like, what's his face? Ari Aster. Yeah. He's like, get together and like make a collab like on YouTube or something. A YouTube collab. A YouTube collab. They like start like a collab channel (laughs) where it's like Ari and M night vlogs. (laughs) And they like document their process for like creating horror films. Um, But I, Genuinely though, like I know that we keep shitting on a lot of what M. Night was trying to do in this film, but it is only because the film is like highly regarded as like an incredible movie. Yeah. And there's not much else to say beyond like it is what it is. Very yeah. much like how Fight Club has its, you know, has its problems. Like through a through a 2021 lens, like yeah. looking at movies from the past and then like seeing what was what was considered to be like the height of yes. cinema and then looking at it now and going actually this it had it done this differently it could have been this or yeah. like if it was it like for you know to your example if they had just fucking chopped off the entire like beginning scene yeah, and put it at the end and as put a flashback end, i mean brilliant brilliant <laughs> where's your oscar <laughs> um but genuinely, like this movie for the time, I think it did what it was supposed to do. Yeah, totally. And it accomplished, like, not only did it did it accomplish what it was supposed to do, it also allowed M Night to like enter the scene and like offer a different flavor. Yeah. Than what someone like Steven Spielberg was doing, because I know that Steven Spielberg was a huge influence on M Night. Sure. And he was really trying to like adopt that same like childlike wonder, supernatural plot, like ma- like big, massive scope, big mm-hmm. scale, like dream, dream big princess. <laughs> like this, you know, that was his vibe, but I think it allowed him to solidify himself in a much more like horror, thriller driven yes. um, narrative and like area of the world that yeah. not a lot of people at the time were like really doing. Yeah. Because again, like to this day, there is still no like horror film category for the Oscars. Yeah. It's not a thing because like horror films are not considered to be like good art. They're yeah. not. They're considered to be like pulpy, like popcorn movies. Like that's really what they, what they're considered to be like. And I think even yeah. now in this like resurgence of horror films and like, you know, with, with, it's, you know, bringing up like Ari Aster again, the, the mm-hmm. second half of the collab channel, <laughs> um, he he's doing something really incredible with a lot of his horror horror films that I think that like M night now is he was ahead of his time is what I'm trying to say. Right. He really, really was ahead of his time. And I think people caught on to that aspect of mm-hmm. it. And I think that was where the appreciation came from. Yeah. And I think to this day, I think the, where the appreciation comes from. Oh, totally. I mean, people are obviously still excited to go see his movies. Old came out recently and a lot of people were stoked to go see The it. whole world went, I wanted to go, but uh, honey, honey, there was a pandemic, girl. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going to go see your movie, M. Night. I'm sorry. I rented Jungle Cruise <laughs> on my television. <laughs> You think I'm going to go see Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt like have incredible chemistry in a movie theater? theater? No. No, I'm not going to the theater. 
Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, thank you. No, but thank you. Regardless, I think he is still like the sixth sense mm-hmm. is M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. And yes. I think it it is essential. It is a, it is so essential to like the American movie landscape. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you, M. Night. Thank you. We thank you for your service. Here's your medal. <laughs> here's your pin. God bless you. God bless and good night. God bless M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> okay, Monica, what is the second film for M. Night? The second film for M. Night Shyamalan is Unbreakable. Unbreakable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, not Unbreakable, but like Irreplaceable. Yeah. Came into my head. Oh, I just think of the theme song from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt every um, time. Unbreakable is yeah. It's a miracle. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Unbreakable came out in 2000, like just 2000. The year after The Sixth Sense. The year after The Sixth Sense mm-hmm. because he, Daddy was working. He was. He was working. The he early was, 2000s is really his sweet spot. Oh yeah, this is his area. This is what we're focusing on. We could have done later work. We could have done Avatar. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, <laughs> came out in 2000, written and directed by, of course, M. Night Shyamalan. Thank you. We love a daddy who does it all. Yeah. David Dunn, played by, again, the one and only, my fave, Bruce Bruce Willis, Willis. is taking a train from New York City back home to Philadelphia, where the Philly fanatic lives, after a job interview that did not go well when his car jumps the tracks and collides with an oncoming engine, with David the only survivor among the 131 passengers on board. Astoundingly, David is not only alive, he hardly seems to have been touched, As David wonders what has happened to him and why he was able to walk away, he encounters a mysterious stranger, Elijah Price, played by Samuel L. Jackson, who explains to David that there are a certain number of people who are unbreakable. Wow. 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 This is a superhero movie. It is. It is a superhero origin movie, though, which is why I don't really mind it that much, because I find it uh, interesting. Agreed. And the way that he sets it up, he sets it up as like, he he's like not planning on making more, which I appreciate. He does go on to make more much later. It becomes like a trilogy. It's a trilogy. Like yeah. straight up. Um, but, it, but like he ends this movie with like, the you know the 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 writing where it tells you like what happens in the future mm-hmm. which to me means it's like this is over yeah the end mm-hmm. this like, was just the and origin. then they went on to do xyz yes. and all was well in the world yes. the end yeah like, exactly that's the vibe of this movie exactly so why he went on to make more i think genuinely just it came down to money yeah it, this movie well, made a could. lot of money and he could yeah <laughs> No, that was it, guys. Well, because he did Split, which mm-hmm. doesn't have Bruce Willis in it. No. But then he made Glass, which does. does. So I think he was like, oh, I can put these together. And Glass was one of the most, re- like, the more recent mm-hmm. installments of his of his feature films, yeah. if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I noticed about this movie is that the cinematography is impeccable. Oh, it's exquisite. Yes. This movie looks amazing i would i would argue that considering it's made in 2000 this is a the most modern feeling of his early films it feels very contemporary it feels very fresh it feels very modern yes (laughs) (laughs) um he he shot it kind of like not kind of very inspired by the way that like frames in a comic book are drawn so there are a lot of like really unexpected 
camera angles and not even just the angle, just like where the fucking camera is is in like, the, in the room. <laughs> yes, and you know how like in a in a comic book there are you know um, there are boxes those mm-hmm. squares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell that we have not read comic books? Is it called a frame? I, don't I know. think it might be. It might be called a frame. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but in those like cer- those like frames in a comic book, there are all of these like crazy angles mm-hmm. where the camera is not the camera, but I guess like the artist. The, yeah, the point of view. The point I guess. of view is like kind of like in the corner kind of like almost like looking over things. Yeah. It's very interesting. And to apply it to film, I think results in something that is quite exciting. Yeah, it was really exciting. I do think it felt a little disjointed at times because some of the shots would look so different from the others. Oh yeah. But it made for a really interesting viewing experience. Like the the opening conversation, Bruce Willis is like on a train talking to this woman and the camera is between the two seats and it just oh, keeps yeah. going like it from left flipping. to right, as it's opposed so to being a wider shot or being closer. And then there's when you meet Samuel L. Jackson's character, there's a scene of him in a flashback that's entirely shot of it's a, it's taking place in a reflection in a television and the camera's pointed at the television yes. instead of you actually just watching the action. Then there's a shot later that's entirely through curtains. Mm-hmm. It's it's really he he does a lot of really visually stimulating stuff in this movie that makes it feel very comic booky and that was really exciting for me, even though I don't give a shit about comic books. I'm sorry. Who does? Uh, I mean, a I'm lot just kidding. Of people. Millions. <laughs> they make a point to tell you at the beginning how millions many people. and millions of people. <laughs> millions and millions of burritos. <laughs> There's a statistic at the beginning of the movie that that's like the first thing you see, and it tells you like how many comic books are sold, how many like the average person owns. It's it's kind of wild. Yeah, M Night is very data driven, apparently. <laughs> apparently for this one specifically but i do kind of like that he included that and included the like this is what happens to them later at the end Mm -hmm. because it makes it seem like it like insinuates that it could be real and that like unbreakable people do exist and that like people do actually have super super pairs super pairs people do actually have superpowers and i think that's fun you know i think it's fun especially when you're like trying to blur the lines between like what is actually real Mm -hmm. and what is movie land yeah and i think he does a very good job in specifically this movie of bringing the audience members in yeah and allowing them to exist in movie land and not allowing them to leave <laughs> like yeah. just be trapped in here in this box exactly a lot of box trapping today <laughs> yeah yeah because he he writes it almost like it's based on a true story which obviously it isn't but yeah but i mean what are you gonna do yeah um I love Bruce Willis in this movie again. I think that Bruce Willis is like the unsung hero of the M. Night Shyamalan like universe. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, Bruce Willis is kind of an unsung hero in general in Hollywood. Period. I mean, you guys heard our incredible rave about him in um, Death Becomes Her. Y- yes, just such an amazing, amazing man. We'll do an episode on him eventually. Yeah, we'll get into Die Hard. Obviously, we'll go for it. which is Die Hard? A, did we already discuss this? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I've never seen it. I think it's a Christmas movie. I just never. I mean, I don't know. Everyone it takes thinks place at Christmas, right? It takes place at Christmas, and there's a lot of Christmas elements in it. Yeah, so. then I would say it's a Christmas movie. Thank you, Jessica. You're Thank welcome. you. There you go. Just like Funny People's a Thanksgiving movie, guys. Funny People is a Thanksgiving movie. It's not about Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving movie. Exactly. Thank you. 
good night. <laughs> good M night. I mean, it, it's the same as that. It's the same as Practical Magic. Practical Magic is not about Halloween at all. But it's a Halloween movie. But it's about witches. There you go. So there you go. Witches. Witches. I have laid down the law, okay? <laughs> and, and coming from a real witch, genuinely. <laughs> The witch of Los Feliz. <laughs> the wicked witch of the east side. Honestly. <laughs> honestly, Jessica. Honestly, <laughs> honestly Jessica. Um, but anyway, this movie, my biggest critique of this movie, it is the pacing. Slow as fuck. The this movie is, is an hour 40. For being a superhero-like, like superhero adjacent movie, because it's not like what what we consider to be like a superhero movie now, which yeah. is like the MCU, the D, like people are taking their super, like the superhero movie has become a full-on, full-forced like genre. Yes. It is now a thing. It is now an official, official thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a way that you make superhero movies. Yes. This does not feel like that at all. No. This feels like a, a long John Silver. This feels like a drawn out, yeah. very, um, it feels like a, a drawn out drama, honestly. Yes. More than anything else, more than being a thriller or like an action movie or a superhero film, it genuinely just feels like a long and drawn out, like existential drama. Yeah, and like, the thing is, is I I don't think that the climax of this movie is terribly exciting because first of all, I think you can see it coming from a fucking mile away. You're just like, we get it. And then when it finally reaches the climax, it is resolved so quickly. And very quickly. Predictably. Yeah. I think that is something he's really good at building tension and creating like this air of uneasiness, which he does in this movie, Mm -hmm. which is a very unique take on a superhero movie is to make it almost like a horror movie in a way, or like a thriller, like a suspense thriller. Yeah. But then you finally get to the climax and then it's like, okay, climax resolved, done. And you're like, well, that was easy. We spent all this time and it's just over. It's the staples button. (laughs) That's what it is. I actually owned one, you know. That was easy. That was easy. (laughs) Genuinely. Wow. At the end, it's just a giant staples button. Yeah. That like comes on screen and goes, that was easy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think ultimately despite it being like really fucking slow and annoying Mm -hmm. and uh again like (laughs) i genuinely think this could have been pulled off as as a as a quick 90 yeah oh oh, yes i think this could have been a tight 90 for sure i don't know why the fuck it was like almost two hours (laughs) (laughs) there's there's nothing to fill it at night please sir honestly 90 90 minute movies 2021 i don't get it anymore yeah i i was also a little confused by like samuel l jackson's motives i thought that was also kind of it's a little bit um uh muddled yeah because it's just like he basically is just like i wanted to know you existed i think like my counterpart and i was like okay i think (laughs) to m knight's defense i think that his character gets fleshed out in like other movies I think like his character and like the character's initial motives get fleshed out in other movies. Right. Other movies but that if mind this was you supposed to be a standalone. I have not seen. <laughs> yeah, because like this is supposed to be a standalone in theory because Mr. Glass goes to an insane asylum and mm-hmm. then it's over. And then it's like and then there's a whole movie called Glass. Yeah. And but, also Split. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, you wanted to know he existed. 
I'm so sick. happy for you. I'm. He does. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I am sorry to this man. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it it kind of is what it is. The my other qualm with the film is di- again. And I said, I I said I would bring it back dialogue. I don't know what it is. People don't talk to each other like that. No, that doesn't happen. (laughs) People don't talk to each other like that. The most interesting dialogue, though, in the movie is the family dialogue. Oh, yes. Between him and Robin Wright Penn, who plays his wife, Mm -hmm. and between him and his son. I think the scenes with him and his son are some of the most powerful. Like, M. Night does understand familial relations. Very well. And injects them into pretty much all of his movies, and they're very, very strong. I think a big part of it is, like, write what you know. And he really knows family. And he loves his family. And he loves his family. Yeah. Um, uh, Another thing I was going to say is, like, his son very much wants him to be the hero of his story, like his superhero, his hero. And I think like a big part of it is like Bruce Willis is grappling with what that actually Mm -hmm. means. And like, I I think the element of fatherhood is very present in this movie in the same way that it is, um, you know, the relationship between like child and parent is very present in a lot of like Spielberg's films and like what it means to be specifically a father and the role of like heroism and fatherhood and how they're like, entangled yes entanglement <laughs> entanglement which i don't know if you heard but will and jada smith are like in an open marriage now yeah they've said that for years but then they really? finally officially said it in well, a vanity fair article and exactly. now everyone's just like who asked for this information <laughs> anytime there's more information about will smith and jada pinkett's <laughs> relationship everyone's just like who the fuck asked? Who asked? are you just trying to i think they're just trying to stay relevant and it's like nobody's enchanted by your weird relationship anymore <laughs> not that open relationships are weird you can do what you want but like nobody fucking asked no one asked <laughs> especially because of that entire situation with the entanglement and how out of proportion it became because of the way that they handled it and the way that specifically Jada brought it to light where she was like, it was just like, oh God, it was the most awkward thing ever. It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) Sorry, pop culture reference aside, um, I think that M. Night, again, the thing M. Night does really well, family. I think family, fatherhood, heroism, like being someone's hero Mm -hmm. and like, the actuality of like right. superheroism, I think, like bound like batting around all of those themes in his like little paws, I think he did a really great job. Yeah. But as far as like the actual execution of the real dialogue, like how people interact with each other, how people talk to each other, no one talks like that. No. No one talks like that, my friend. <laughs> I want to write him a letter and be like, my friend, my guy, you can do it. <laughs> Should we discuss how people speak to each Should other? We discuss if people? you're going to do stylized dialogue, because obviously not every movie has people talking to each other the way that they talk in real life. No. But if you're going to do it, you have to commit to it in a way where it is like consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not in this movie. No. So, so yeah. What do you, okay. you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Dialogue, dialogue. What mm. you gonna do? Mm. What mm. you gonna do mm. when we come for you? The dialogue police. <laughs> I do think the dialogue is a bit better in the next movie. Oh, oh, 100%, which we will get into. Yes. Um, in but a wee mom. <laughs> a, wee, a wee mom. Uh I think I think that was that was a wrap on a yeah. unbreakable. Yeah. I don't know. You guys know how we feel about superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think we need to have you been listening to this podcast long enough? <laughs> 
<laughs> if you're just tuning in, listen to every episode that we've ever yeah, put yeah. out. Specifically the very first one where we talk about Iron Man and, and I say how much I don't like superhero movies. And then I talk about like in defense, my, my thesis essay and like in defense of, of Iron Man. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it is what it is. <laughs> um, but then this in this next movie, yes. one of its, one of its uh, stronger situations mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. its dialogue. And the next movie is Signs, which came out in 2002, written and directed by... <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. What's your favorite sign? What? Like my favorite Zodiac sign? No, sign. sign and the, ooh. Hmm. I like the yield sign. I like the curves ahead sign. Ooh. That one's fun. Ooh. It's, it's, it's swirly. I like the, what's the sign that's like, um, uh, oh, the roundabout sign. Oh yeah, that's a that's good a one. That's a good it, sign. I got stuck behind someone the other day who didn't know what oh. the fuck. They turned left at a roundabout. <gasps> and I was like, you motherfucker, you have to go right and go all the way around to get Read to the part. the sign. Which, like I understand in their mind, like it's right there. Can't I just turn left? But it's like, that's not how a roundabout that's works. That's not how a roundabout works. You dumb um, dumb. Especially like in Los Angeles, our city planning is trash like fire like it is literally a garbage can on fire because we were never supposed to be here no (laughs) i really want to know like who decided like who decides roundabout versus just normal intersection (laughs) there's this one roundabout in long beach that i swear to god it's just like you've been tossed into a whirlpool and it's like try and get out when you're supposed to because it's it's multiple lanes but there are no lane lines and so you're just in it and you're like okay (laughs) it's like the mayor's like hmm roundabout or regular i'll take the roundabout please Let's just have some fun, let's shall have, we? Let's have a little bit of naughty, let's naughty fun. Let's give these people some fun on their, uh, <laughs> their commute. Yeah, so we, we shared with y'all our favorite signs. You guys can tell us your favorite signs. <laughs> uh i hope i hope someone says stop like someone says like the stop sign is a favorite sign i feel like me too I, I feel like that's very telling there must be if your if your favorite sign is the stop sign i would agree or like um uh, uh pedestrian crossing i feel like i'm like ooh, <laughs> that tells me a lot about you <laughs> okay i'm gonna tell you about the movie signs now right? okay Everything that farmer Graham Hess, played by Mel Gibson, assumed about the world is changed when he discovers a message, an intricate pattern of circles and lines carved into his crops. As he investigates the unfolding mystery, what he finds will forever alter the lives of his brother, played by Joaquin Phoenix, and his children, played by Rory Culkin and Abigail Breslin. A unique story that explores the mysterious real-life phenomena of crop signs and the effects they have on one man and his family. Another knockout performance by a young Abigail Breslin. This was her first movie. This was her film debut. She did a fucking fantastic job. She did a bang up fucking job. Yeah. This queen, this miniature queen. Yep. Oh my God. So good. To have her talent at this age. So good. (laughs) She's brilliant. She's brilliant. The shit that she, like the nuance in her delivery. Yeah. Every single time she would like look up at her father, all of like the knowing in her eyes. Who are you, Abigail Breslin? Her whole role is just about how much she hates glasses of water. And it's just, it's it's amazing. She's like Benjamin Button. (laughs) She's like fully formed at a young age. And then- Yep. <laughs> it's fine. It's we fine, wish it's you fine. the best, Abigail. Okay. 
the for, the thing I like most about this movie right off the bat was that it gets right into the fucking action. I yes. do appreciate that in this movie, he's like, we're not wasting time. No, and this movie <laughs> is very well paced. Yes. It is very well paced. When you get to the end, you're like, oh, so so good. Like that I'm was genuinely great. surprised that this movie didn't get better reviews than what it did. I mean, people like this movie, but like the reviews of it aren't that amazing. And I'm like, but I consider like in some ways I think it's better than uh, it's better than unbreakable to me it's way better and than parts of it are better than the sixth sense parts yes. of it not as a whole not as a whole but yeah. yeah so i'm i was kind of shocked but i do like that he like he wastes no fucking time and the first scene you're in is them discovering the crop circle and you're just like okay let's get into this shit yes exactly um so great performance by abigail <laughs> good performance by the other colkin rory Rory Culkin. The one who, is he doing anything now? I'm not sure, but he is the other Culkin. Macaulay, because he's podcasting. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin is podcasting. He was also in, um, more recently, like the American Horror Story franchise. Oh, yeah. He plays like a, a saucy, a saucy gay man. Oh, that's fun. Uh, actually, no, he's not gay because I think he like, he is bedded by the vampire who happens know. to be a woman. I don't know. I th- believe he plays just like a, um, a saucy a man. saucy man. And then there's Kira who is killing it in succession absolutely murdering it, kieran culkin deserves a fucking emmy already i don't know you guys the he's culkin, been nominated but the culkin clan is really out there trying yeah. to be the scars guards how many brothers are there i don't know but I again there's like five they're trying to be the scars guards and i'm here for it rory culkin is 32 years old iconic he's also my height he's the age that lorelei was when rory was 16 not this rory the Rory and Gilmore girls. Oh, there are so many more Culkin children than I realized. Oh my God, how many? Kieran Culkin, Dakota Culkin, Macaulay Culkin, Quinn Culkin, Shane Culkin, Christian Culkin, and Jennifer Adamson. So all normal ass names except for Macaulay. Who the, Macaulay? Macaulay? Kieran isn't a very normal name. Macklemore. <laughs> Macklemore Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this is the other Culkin child. Yes, who the is other in this one. Movie. He looks just like his brother. He's the most um, him as an adult. He's very vamp vampire. <laughs> <laughs> he's very ghoulish. Look at this. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> your humble servant. D. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. but anyway so so uh rory culkin plays this like asthmatic child which which okay back to the dialogue Mm -hmm. because this is like m night's like like fight or flight hit or miss whatever you want to call it he really misses with rory's dialogue with the kids dialogue he talks like a fucking adult yeah Where he's like reading the alien books and he's like, well, father, don't you know? (laughs) Well, father, don't you understand that it's- it would be one thing if we had already established that that his character's name is Morgan. Mm-hmm. That Morgan is like this fucking little shit, know-it-all, super smart kid. Fine. Then I'll accept it. Mm-hmm. But he's not. They're in the middle of fucking nowhere, Pennsylvania, yeah. on a corn farm. And all of a sudden, he's just like, well, father, don't you know that aliens can't read your mind if you wear a tinfoil hat? Hmm. <laughs> he, he doesn't go like, he doesn't go like, I saw it on the movies and in the movies it was like, do this and yeah. so I did it. <laughs> Like he talks like a fucking adult and the way that he talks to his little sister as if he's her father Yes, where, you know, 
in in the beginning when the dog is acting insane yes like actually insane there's two they have they own two german shepherds one of which spoiler houdini alert, and isabella <laughs> <laughs> those are their names monica uh, houdini of which <laughs> yes <laughs> uh spoiler alert and also for those of you who are like very sensitive about these things yeah the dog does get stabbed yes. by the child at the very beginning of the movie yeah be careful about that i did not see that coming and like i was horrified yeah um but the child stabs it you don't actually see the child stabbing it but you very much see like the graphic visual mm-hmm. of, of the, the dog in dead. the dog and yeah. there's blood and it's dead so um or he rather he's dead yes he's dead jessica he, he. houdini houdini <laughs> um and uh so he, morgan this this adult child yes is talking to his sister being like the dog <laughs> <laughs> He's not acting right. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful with the dog. Be careful with the dog. Meanwhile, fucking Joaquin Phoenix, who plays Mel Gibson's brother, Whoa, is which... written like the village idiot. <laughs> and you're just like, what is going on? He's literally, he's literally the guy who was like, I need six eggs. They're too expensive. <laughs> Like, he's that guy. He's just bubbling around. He's like, like, oh. M. Night, please, we have to come to a consensus on the dialogue. (laughs) What I will say about this script, which I appreciated, was that he has a lot of loose ends in terms of, like, the signs. In terms of the signs. Signs. And then wraps them up at the end by being like, because Mel Gibson figures out, he's like, nothing is a coincidence. Everything is a sign. Yes. Like, the fucking Joaquin Phoenix not like striking out and having the baseball bat on the wall. That's, that's a sign. Abigail Breslin not drinking the water. That's a sign. And then it all culminates in like the aliens are there and they need to kill them. Yeah. I don't care for like the Christian allegory of it all. No. Like the allegorical (laughs) elements of it where it's like everything happens for a reason. It's all God. Yeah. And once he was able to accept that, he was able to believe in God. And then he became a a priest again, which I had to look this up because I was I was like, what the fuck is this nonsense? He's a Catholic priest, but he has children. He says it. No, no, no. They call him father. Yes, I know, but he says I'm not a reverend anymore. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. But this was before he said i'm not a reverend anymore right. this was when like the cop was calling him father father <laughs> and father. everyone was like father and he's like don't call me father and he's like don't call me fucking father you fucks <laughs> like um <laughs> I, I had to look this up he's apparently an episcopalian uh priest what? like a, an, an episcopalian man and I, okay that's who he is he because episcopalians are allowed to be er, but he says he's a reverend but everyone calls him father i know but like how how are other people deciding he's an Episcopalian priest when he says I'm a reverend? Because it says <laughs> in the movie, in the movie trivia, it says that he's an Episcopalian priest. Okay. And those priests, those like types of priests are called father mm. and they are allowed to have wives. Allowed. <laughs> allowed to have- Catholicism, get with it. I know, get with it. Come on, come on, guys. They're allowed to have wives and like children and such things. Yeah. Such, such, such trivial things. things. Children. Such things. <laughs> Only getting in the way of the theological studies. <laughs> yeah, no, didn't care for the religious aspect of this movie. Not at all. But- as far as alien movies go, because I don't really care about aliens. Um, so you don't like Alien? I've never seen it. Mm. I know. I'm sorry. It's pretty good. Um, 
But like, as far as alien movies go, I think this one makes me so uneasy because first of all, you don't see the aliens that much. You basically never see them. And the reason why (laughs) is because they look insane, like actual shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like look awful. And I massive respect to M. Night Shyamalan, who was like expertly trying to hide these like shitty looking CGI aliens. Yeah, by shooting them very cleverly. Very cleverly. And like only using practical, like Mm -hmm. practical aliens when he really needed to because like at the t- I don't know who his like makeup or props department was but they did not know no, what the no. fuck was going on no they didn't know but he he overcame that correct he really did go on yeah um but like as far as alien movies go I would say that this is like a relative it feels like it could be a relatively realistic version of aliens coming to earth etc and that's why it's so fucking scary (laughs) because you're just like it's one of those things where you're like what the fuck do you do it's happening all over the world and we don't know like we don't know what these things are we don't know how they react we don't know what their weaknesses are etc etc what the fuck are you supposed to do? You can't like call the police. You can't just like hide. You excuse me, police. police? Well, that's what he does at first. He's like, I there's know. a crop circle. <laughs> police? <laughs> police? Because it's just like it's what you do when something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the scariest part is like they're truly, truly so helpless. And I like that that's what he focuses on. He doesn't focus on like this is what the alien looks like. Isn't it so scary? He focuses on the human response to it, which is just sheer like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Which is why when Mel Gibson like finally breaks at that dinner scene. Oh my God, they're at the table. I know Mel Gibson is a piece of shit, but he's a very, very talented actor. Mm -hmm. And in this movie specifically, he's very good. And he doesn't get to play like these, these characters with heart very often. He usually plays like an asshole or an action star. But in this one, he plays like this father who's one mourning his wife's death, like very sudden death. And it's it's a very traumatic yes. way to die because you're watching the person that you like love the most in this mm-hmm. world, like uh, up against a tree yeah. within it with a big old truck in the middle of you. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, it is just one of those situations where you're like, oh, seeing that. Yeah, I understand why he does not believe in God anymore. Yeah. No, no, I get he's just it. Like, this is fucked i get it yeah Yeah. so he's mourning he's trying to provide for his family he's got his fucking brother there (laughs) (laughs) like randomly well because the brother joaquin phoenix the thing is is like joaquin phoenix is such an amazing actor but he was criminally underwritten in this movie oh my god again the village idiot i need six eggs apparently mark ruffalo was supposed to be in this role oh but he couldn't because that's when he had his brain tumor Yeah. So he couldn't be in the movie. And Joaquin Phoenix, like, he could do so much, but there's not much for him to do. Exactly. But anyway, Mel Gibson finally breaks at the dinner table when they're they're having like they essentially are having like their last meal because he doesn't think that they're gonna survive the night. Right. Because the aliens are coming for them. And he just like loses his mind and starts like yelling and then starts sobbing. Because he's like, this is the one thing that I can't, I have no control. I can't protect my children. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Exactly. And, you know, the reason why he breaks is because Morgan is like the the, the smallest, the smallest Culkin. Rory Culkin. Rory Culkin. Um, he is um, asking his father like, oh, we should say grace. Like at this, mm-hmm. at this moment of intense like insanity, <laughs> yeah. we should say grace before we start eating. And the father is like, Mel Gibson is like, 
fuck no. <laughs> like, I am not going to waste one more minute of my life praying. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And you're not going to do it. And I'm your father. And I said so. Very, like, very childish, very immature. Yeah. Very much like I'm putting my foot down. I'm, I cannot believe like God is allowing any of this to happen and we should not worship him one more second mm-hmm. of our lives. Um, and the reason why he breaks is because he is like being taken back mm-hmm. to the memories of his like wife dying mm-hmm. and his son is saying all of these mean things. Yep. <laughs> his son is saying all these mean things. Like I think at one point he says like you caused mom to die or something like that. I don't know. He's being, he's being fucking mean. <laughs> and so Mel Gibson is like, you're being so mean to me. Like, uh, and obviously it's like the weight of it all. It's yeah. like the weight of the fact that he cannot protect his children. He, he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's probably going to die. They're all probably going to die. Yeah. They're not going to survive the night. And Joaquin Phoenix is just looking at him like, oh my God, that's my big brother. And his eyes look insane and he looks insane and he has lost all faith Mm -hmm. and that fucking sucks. And he tells him later on in the movie when they're in the basement, like essentially it's like this bunker style basement when they're, where they're hiding from the aliens Mm -hmm. that are like above ground. Um, he's like, looks over at Mel Gibson's character and he's like, oh my God, like, never do that to me again yeah he's (laughs) like like, i can handle a lot of things but mm -hmm. i cannot handle the person i look up to like breaking like it just can't happen like don't do it again (laughs) which is very rude of him because like allow him some humanity fucking joaquin but but you know it is what it is (laughs) and joaquin has a terrible haircut in this movie terrible terrible Terrible. however the shot of him in the tinfoil hat with the children is adorable incredible it's so good when they all look up at the same time like in sync i know oh my god adorable (laughs) it's like what are you guys doing duh they can't read our minds duh Duh. god like come on (laughs) uh uh but yeah so just very much that dynamic between joaquin phoenix and mel gibson they have great chemistry Mm -hmm. i i know it was supposed to be mark ruffalo god bless him but they have incredible chemistry and joaquin really brings this like this honestly like leveled up element to the movie because he's such an incredible actor and he has so much genuine talent like spilling out of his ears Mm -hmm. that he took the role of the village idiot and made it like he wasn't him though yet he was 2002 so like this was early joaquin for the most part very early yeah but he was still there and he still shined and he Mm -hmm. sparkled and i think like you leave this movie remembering his character yes. despite him not being like very prominent. Yeah. And especially at the end, like in when he's like, he becomes like a hero because yes. he's taking the bat like off the wall. There is this like beautiful shot, this like really cool shot of him like swinging the bat and pointing the bat like right at the camera. Yeah. And he looks, he looks, oh my God. It's I'm fucking like, badass. M. Night, like, yeah, you make him shine. Yeah, they make the camera the POV for the alien mm-hmm. and he points like right at him. And I was like, yes, get it, Joaquin. Yes, get it, Joaquin. Get your moment, get girl. Your, <laughs> snag that bag. <laughs> like he really popped off yeah. in that final scene. And a lot of it was like him finally like relinquishing to the idea of like mediocrity mm-hmm. and like rising above it and yes. being like, you know what? Everyone thinks that my like minor league baseball career like flopped, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm going to use literally the thing that people keep saying like you flopped at mm-hmm. and use it to save my family. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck all of you. <laughs> exactly. And that's what, that's why I keep saying like this movie of M night's early work, at least is the most like 
concise is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? It's the most like, it's really tight. It's the tightest. It has like a very clear story. And also what I like is that in this movie specifically, he doesn't spend too much time harping on the backstory of everybody because at the end of the day, that really doesn't matter. It's like what the situation at hand is what matters. Absolutely. And so he doesn't waste all of this time giving us like exposition. I mean, he gives us flashbacks of the mom because that it, that That's is a that sign. becomes important. That's and a it, sign. It's a sign. It becomes important. And she's also there to deliver a sign. Correct. Um, and also because the character of Ray actually proves to be quite important at the end because he is the reason she's able to offer these signs. Yeah. Um, because unfortunately he was the person who fell asleep at the wheel played by M night Shyamalan guys yeah. very poorly, <laughs> but we love you M night. Thank you for cameoing in your own film. <laughs> we always love to see that. He does take it very seriously. He though. takes it very seriously, yeah. but because he's, He's just, he's just not a good actor. He's just not it's a good, it's a, and it's okay. It's, it's okay. not what he was, it's not his thing. It's fine, guys. <laughs> we can let it go. He, it's for the fun. It's for the meme. Can it's we fine. let it go? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, because, you know, he fell asleep at the wheel and he, he is the person who crashed into. Yes. Or rather, uh, what is the proper term for this? Ran over, crashed into. I think he would, he, he. Because he didn't run her over. No, he, he hit her with his car. Hit her with and his... And it pinned her into a tree. He like, I guess like crashed into her. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. She was just going on a walk. Yeah, exactly. Rough. Which is just like so rough. Um, so sad. But anyway, he proves to be very important because sort of like in the, at the end of the first act or like mid, kind of middle of the movie, honestly, yeah. he um is leaving town mm-hmm. and he calls over the father. <laughs> Yeah, Mel Gibson's character uh, Graham over to his house mm-hmm. because he needs to like tell him like a final like, hey, this is my final goodbye. I've always wanted to say sorry to you. Here I am, kind of saying sorry. Yeah. Also, there's an alien in my pantry. Peace. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's uh, and that is he gives him a a valuable piece of information, which is the aliens don't like water yeah or he believes that the aliens don't like water and they initially take it as like a, a random theory they like keep calling it a theory and they kind of dismiss it a little bit mm-hmm. like they're like eh, like we could go to a lake like a, a house by a lake or we could stay here and fight the aliens yeah and everyone's like let's stay here the water thing is fucking stupid <laughs> Um, and, uh, it also provides Mel Gibson's character, like the first interaction with a, with a real alien Mm -hmm. and thus the audience, the first interaction with like a real alien. Yeah. And he like slices off the alien's fingers, which is (laughs) at the end when the alien is coming for for his revenge plot the alien's (laughs) revenge he's like now motherfucker i stuck around because you cut off my fucking fingers when he comes to retrieve the colkin child yes (laughs) the camera like kind of zooms in on his fucking finger well it's to be like this is the one from the pantry mel gibson fucked up and it's literally the dumbest shit i've ever seen yeah (laughs) because it's like now 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 the alien has a revenge story. <laughs> <laughs> the aliens understand the concept of revenge. The alien is literally like Carrie Underwood <laughs> taking a Louisville slugger to both headlights. <laughs> I dug my key into the side of me. Oh, Rory Culkin. <laughs> oh, Rory Culkin. <laughs> Oh. oh my god so yeah the aliens understand the revenge plot 
They understand the revenge assignment. Yes, they do. And M. Night's like, revenge is so sweet. But then the alien dies. The the, end. Obviously, the alien dies because yes. Joaquin Phoenix is gorgeous and, yes. and swinging at him like mm-hmm. crazy. Swing away, Meryl. Swing away, Meryl. Also, his name is Meryl. <laughs> Meryl the village. <laughs> Which, what we mean to say when we say the village idiot is like, (laughs) he's like a disappointment to the whole town, number one, (laughs) and then walks around just like bumbling like a fool. Like he has no meaningful dialogue until the end. The best comparison is like Kirk from Gilmore Girls. (laughs) (laughs) He's literally He's basically Kirk. Kirk. Like we don't say that to be offensive or like demeaning. That's not what it is at all. It is literally like, he's an idiot like yeah, he's just he's just dumb he's just like dumb like stupid and not in the sense of like he's like doesn't have like the smarts he just doesn't have like like he doesn't understand why the world has wronged him yeah he's just like oh, i guess this is my life i guess this is my life like yeah and just the end. It. <laughs> oh boy oh signs is a fun movie honestly if i was gonna tell you to watch any of them i'd tell you to watch signs watch signs yeah i mean watch the sixth sense too but like i think i liked signs in terms of you know because we've been talking so much about his dialogue his use of dialogue rather Mm -hmm. i think like if we were to rate these movies the movie that has like the number one like script and like dialogue i think it's obviously the sixth sense Mm -hmm. and then it's like signs yes and then like a bunch of notches and then it's Unbreakable. unbreakable yeah period end of discussion okay though so it's okay still a daddy still a daddy we still worship him obviously we spent like an hour talking about him yeah you spent an hour listening to him exactly here we are (laughs) here we are aren't we so that was m9 Shyamalan. that was m9 Shyamalan. monica what have you dabbled in i have dabbled in the discovery that being like a person who drives who's a drover Uh on a (laughs) film set is makes a lot of money yeah they do uh if you could please tell our listeners uh, (laughs) how much a drova makes i mean i don't know how much they make i don't know what union pay is i just know it's a lot of money and you're usually working really long hours and so you can come home with like four thousand dollars a week which is fucking insane yeah okay so uh, this was the last episode of the podcast ever. <laughs> Jessica We're and becoming I, drivers. Uh, Jessica and I are going to become drive like Jessica and drive a Monica. And we're going to go take our regular ass driver's license yep. over to this like specialized equipment and, and ride. We're going to ride. We're going to ride. We're going to ride. Yeah. Apparently if you drive like the water truck or whatever it is, you make like $50 an hour. Crazy. Insanity. And they, and they work like 12 hour days. Yeah, sometimes more. Sometimes, sometimes like 14. 16. 16. Yeah. Wow. Wild. Oh. Do you know how much money that is? So much money. I don't know. Like I don't know. $800. Something like that. A day. A day. A day. That's how much most people make in a week. I know. And we live in Los Angeles. The cost of living is high. Very high. Jessica Mm. could finally get her own apartment. I could. I mean, she has her own apartment now. I don't want to know. I just have a roommate. But she's a roommate. She'd be able to get her own apartment. I know. She'd be able to have like a little office space on the side. I know. She works remotely. She works in a fashion. (laughs) She works in fashion. You know how I could also afford to live alone? If they paid me more. That's true. (laughs) Excuse me. Fashion industry. Pay my friend more. Ring a ding ding. Ring a ding ding. A fashion. (laughs) Pay my friend more money. Give her more clams. (laughs) Give her more clams. 
20 smacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just actually insane that uh, you just drive around yeah. and make a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Massive respect. Yeah. Massive respect, Massive for, respect for the drivers. How you guys keep yourselves entertained, I have no idea. None. But- Listen, I'm sure it is worth every penny to sit there and like not be able to talk to like Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Because you just have to like sit there. And stare at him. And stare at him. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I don't get it, but I get it. But you get it. Yeah. Oh, Jessica. Yes. What have you dabbled in? Oh boy. What have I dabbled in? Um, I don't know. Oh. I started taking Prozac this week. That's exciting. Congratulations. I've dabbled in mental health. Prozac. <laughs> snack and attack. Prozac, snag and attack. I put my mental health first and I go to the back. Ow! Yeah, that, so that's been fun. And luckily it hasn't ruined me yet. So that's oh, nice. Congratulations. I hope it means that it won't. Every single time someone restarts or starts a new mm-hmm. um, uh, SSRI. SSRI or like an, honestly yeah. any antidepressant, it's always a, an uphill battle yeah. because you're trying to figure out whether or not it's you or the medication. <laughs> it's like, let's play a game. Is it me or is it the medication? <laughs> well, they told me I would, but they're like, the most common thing is like stomach issues, which I had like a little bit of, but it's been right, better. But is it you or the medication? I think it's the medication because I've, since starting Athletic Greens, my digestion has been incredible. Um, redact that. They have not given us a dime. <laughs> Because I only because I know that they sponsor other podcasts. <laughs> Athletic Greens, if you're listening, <laughs> we'd love some money. We have a user. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you take them too? Aaron used to. Oh, did you we, not like them? I mean, it tastes like shit, but <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, this is not how we get sponsorship. <laughs> because part of their copy is it tastes amazing <laughs> and it straight up does not. <laughs> It tastes like weird sweet grass. Okay, guys. You know, anyway. You heard it here. Athletic (laughs) greens taste like shit. It doesn't taste like shit. It takes getting used to. I just it's an acquired I guzzle taste. it down she so that up. I can do you have to make it like with. ice cold and yes. not taste that's, it that's well you still taste it but it tastes infinitely better than if it's warm you know that's why people like drink martinis and a chilled like an ice ice cold glass and yeah. like shake it with like a fuck ton it of tastes ice better. because it tastes better because you don't taste it <laughs> you taste much less or the like the bitter elements etc exactly versus yeah. like tasteless rubbing alcohol grassy because when you're it's like ice cold. you're literally drinking straight vodka vodka or gin and like a splash of vermouth yeah and they're just like doesn't this taste amazing you're like and you're no. like no this, this is battery like acid rubbing alcohol <laughs> and also olives yes <laughs> i'm getting mm, johnson and johnson and um olives olives uh perhaps an onion an onion perhaps <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so that that's what i that's what i've dabbled in okay well yeah. love that for so you. fun i love that for you um and do we have a question for today? Nar. Nar, nar. <laughs> Get on that, you guys. Get on it. I can't believe you all. I know. I want to go to each one of your houses. They're just all like, on. we have no questions for you. Well, the end. you know what? Well, at least you know it's not fake. Yeah. So that means this is the end. This is the end. As always, don't, don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Favreau. Goodbye, Monica. Goodbye, Jessica. Goodbye, Jessica.